Adam Rush. I'm the president of the Summit Association. I'd like to thank everybody for being here today. Um, and thank you, Foolish Shumpling, for agreeing to be our moderator for this space. We are uh, very fortunate to have you as an advisor for uh, the Summit Association, and we appreciate your contributions to us as we are building the Summit platform. Uh, so a shout out uh, also to everybody on the team for the Summit platform. Um, I hope that um, you know we can be a good part of the Cardano ecosystem and uh, bring a good service to everybody who is looking for community tooling. So for the for this space, we're looking to talk about what is uh, Voltaire, the Voltaire era coming here for Cardano. Um, talk about CIP sixteen ninety four, which will move us into the Voltaire era, and what DREPs do and what their place within Cardano governance will be. And then we will have it opened up for audience. Um, where uh, Tumpling will have a firm band hammer ready to go for anybody who gets out of hand, be it speakers or audience members. And we can talk about how uh, we can hopefully use the tools on Cardano to govern this blockchain together. And the Summit platform is working on tools for governance. Um, so obviously we want to uh, you know, shill a little bit of what we're doing. Uh, but also just let you know of the possibilities. And even if it's not something that you use on our platform, just talk about what we can do together as a community. Sounds great. Thank you, Adam. So let me uh, reiterate this goal of the space is to educate uh, about what governance is when we're talking about the word governance. Go through a little bit about what SIP 1694 includes and DREPs. And in the later half of the space, we are going to talk about how Summon can help uh, in regards to Cardano's governance. This is really important, the first part, for us to establish a fundamental understanding of the concepts like governance and the SIP. I know people are very eager to debate about these concepts, um, but I believe before any real debate can happen, we need to be aligned in terms of the knowledge and our understanding of the topics that we're going to debate about. And that's why I'm so grateful for our special guests today, Adam Rush, Adam Dean, and Matthias Bencourt. They can share the knowledge and definitions of these topics before we have some subsequent debates on these topics. Second part, we are going to talk about how Summon and its uh, platform can help with the governance uh, procedures of the Cardano ecosystem. I wouldn't call it shilling. I think it's more educational. It really depends on how we define it and how we word it, Adam. So let's be very careful about that. And with that said, looks like Adam Dean is trying his hardest uh, to connect. He is connecting and continuously connecting. I'm sure he's sweating profusely for the pressure, which is good. We can get slowly started, I believe. Uh, Matthias, thank you so much for joining today's space. Um, while we're waiting for Adam, do you mind giving us your understanding and perhaps your definition of what Voltaire means? Uh, well, that's a, a very wide question. Um, but I would say perhaps from my perspective, it is the continuation of what we've been doing with the CIP process for the past years. Um, and by that, I mean um, having a way to decide on you know, what to do next, um, to decide on the roadmap, 
on the priorities. And when I say we, I mean we as the Cardano community um, and you know, everyone that is using the network for well, various kinds of activities. Um, so we've got this AP process for a while that's been used to discuss technical solutions, to discuss problems. Um, but we're always missing a step after that, right? Once we have discussed a solution, we agree that the solution is good. Um, we miss the part where who gets to decide which solutions um, is implemented and under what, you know, delay and so on. So read that governance part that comes after, once we have a plan, once we have solutions to implement, we need someone to decide. And so far, this, this someone has always been the maintainers of the different projects, so mainly input-output. Um, and we're moving in a phase where we want to decentralize that decision over multiple actors that have possibly conflicting interests and that have also different goals, different values, uh, but that represents, hopefully, um, well, the Cardano network as a whole. Thank you, Matthias. Adam, do you have anything to add? Yeah, it's um, it's great that we're having this discussion over governance because it's hard to run a system like uh, a blockchain system, right? With Bitcoin, they have a balance of power between the nodes, the developers, and the users because they have, you know, the, um, I should say, you know, the miners, uh, they are making the blocks and when they produce the blocks they have to include all the transactions uh that the users put in those blocks and the users are counting on them to uh you know keep the blockchain going right and they have to count on the developers so you have this three-way uh you have this three-way split of power with cardano we add something to the mix because we realize that we need to have this be a system that can scale beyond just a monetary system, just a proposition of value. So we enter into the idea of proof of stake. The block producers aren't just miners of blocks that are looking for a random number, right? They're stake pool operators. And so the way that proof of stake system works is whoever has the most resources in the system directs it towards those block producers in order to show confidence in them for making the blocks. So now you're actually giving a bit, a bit more power to the users in a way, provided how much stake they have. But you don't want to just have, you know, a, you don't want it to just be the people with the biggest bags who make all the decisions. And you don't want it to just be the people with the most hardware making decisions the way it is in Bitcoin. You want to have a way to reach beyond your network. And that's what like Voltaire governance is, right? It's saying that um, instead of the, um, block producers just kowtowing to whoever has the biggest bags and saying we're going to do a hard fork whenever we the stake pools deem it necessary because th technically they can um, we're going to set up a system that invites more people into this framework because we know that if we do invite more people into this framework it's going to be more legitimate it's going to see more usage it's going to make our the network of value grow over time so i guess sort of on a big picture philosophical level that's the way i look at it So it sounds like inviting more people to the network, more distributed uh, style of decision-making is what we're talking about when we discuss the concept called Voltaire. I know it's very general, very big, but can it be boiled down to more parties joining 
into the decision making instead of simply looking at who has the biggest bag. Go ahead, Adam. You seem to have. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I think I think uh, that if you want to boil it down, you that's a good way to boil it down. But having it done in a structured way that can make sure that it's you know like making sure that as many you know voices as possible uh, can be seen in in ways that, uh, that we deem to be good. Matthias, do you have anything to add? Well, I see it a bit in the same way as, as for stake pools, right? There is a reason we have a key parameter today uh, because we want decentralization, but we also want to avoid too much decentralization. Otherwise, it becomes inefficient as a whole system. And that is true for block pollution. I see it as also true for decision making. If you have way too many decentralization on that level too, you get a hard time to just, you know, agree on things in the end and you finish like Bitcoin where there is no decision ever made and the system is just in a immutable state for you know, the rest of the time. So there is a sweet spot to find where you want to give power to indeed um, you know, more and more uh, people, but you also want to have this notion of well, D-reps in that sense, um, to make sure you are not too many making a decision and that you can still come up to a consensus and, and move on. You bring a good point. There is a level of conflict when um, we're saying we want as many inputs or voices as possible, but also we need to make it in a very structured way so we don't get flooded by too many voices and try to power through it to find a solution. So is that where SIP 16, uh, 1694 comes in? Because it kind of outlines three different distinct bodies when it comes to the decision making and governance. I think so. And if, if you look carefully at those three bodies, there are also reasons for all of them to exist and to be defined in the way they are currently defined. Um, like DSPOs, I think that's the most um, undebatable one in a sense, because DSPOs decides to run you know, the software and decides to run the network. So if you don't get buy-in from SPOs regarding the network evolution, you risk to not be able to have any new updates being installed, right? So you have to have SPOs as part of the governance in that sense. Uh, but then you don't want to give all the power to SPO probably because they are in the end stake pool operators. They are most of them are you know system administrator and um, DevOps so on. So they, they are not necessarily interested in even making the decisions regarding the life of the network. So you want to have another body that can represent and that can be the voice of the community. And there there has been debate between you know a direct democracy where everyone can vote. Um, but I would argue that having this notion of direct here and having a notion of, you know, delegation also being part of the governance process um, makes it kind of reflect on how we've always been um, doing things in the proof of stake environments and how we can use delegation actually as a way to coordinate as community against those that have a very high, you know, resources potentially. So without 
delegation, it becomes much harder to stand against, you know, whales and um, exchanges or whatever party can accumulate a lot of resources. So I see it as, as a key key component in that sense. Um, and then you have the final body, which is the Constitutional Committee, uh, that has a very precise role. And I think it's been a bit misunderstood by by people as being this, this ultimate power that can veto everything. And uh, it's not really the goal. Uh, but the goal of the committee is to make sure that we, we can transition to that phase of governance. And that's why it's you know, suggested initially to define it as um, some well-known entities like the funding entities or some well-known actors of the ecosystem because we want to have people in that position that are that have a track history with the network that knows what they what they do and that can look at proposals from a you know, neutral point and quite a distance to make sure that they are not anti-constitutional with regard to the constitution that is yet to be defined but they, they really have just a role of of guardian to make sure that the Cardano network can live and prosper um, over yeah many years. Thank you, Matthias. Um, so it sounds like the three different bodies. Uh, let me give a quick uh, overview for those who haven't read the uh, actual SIP. Any Cardano user will be allowed to submit a governance action. We will also introduce three distinct governance bodies that have specific functions in this new governance framework. The first one, a constitutional committee. The second one, a group of delegate, delegate representatives called DREPs. The third one, the stake pool operators, the SPOs. So what Matthias was just describing are more fleshed out uh, descriptions of the three bodies. Can you tell us a bit more, the Constitutional Committee, can we understand it to be the actual organizations like the Foundation and Input Output? Um, well, that's a shortcut I, I don't want to make because it tends to get people very heated. Um, and there is a reason why we said the committee is still yet to be defined because it is yet to be defined. Um, my personal opinion here would be that yes, what would make sense initially to have as a constitutional committee would be the three funding entities, uh, because that's currently, you know, the current status quo. So as a transition phase, I see just as you know, purely logical that we start in that same situation and we transition through something else, given that the proposal and the solution we're you know, proposing here gives us means to change that if we you know, want to change it. But changing it before transitioning to a governance framework is, is a bit odd, right? Because we will be removing the uh, current status quo and changing the current status quo based on what exactly, right? We, we don't have any governance framework to decide what to do next. So I see it as just, yeah, logical to start with the current state and then use the governance framework that we had in place to make a governance decision as for changing the, constitution, the constitutional committee to something else if we decide to. Thanks. Uh, can anyone give us a quick overview about what are some of the things, different things, these 
these three bodies are supposed to be voting on. I suppose they are not all voting on the same thing. So, for example, what would be the Constitutional Committee be voting on? And same for the DREPs, same for the SPOs. Um, so, to simplify, perhaps, um, we have seven governance actions that we've defined as part of the, the proposal. Um, and most of the time, there are always at least two bodies um, voting on, on those actions, depending on what they are. Um, maybe we can go through all the seven actions. Is that what you, you wanted, Dumpling? Yeah, that would be really helpful. Thanks. Okay. So the first action is to, um, well, elect um, the constitutional, constitutional committee, elect or change the constitutional committee. That's kind of the same, same action. Um, a second action is to vote on protocol parameters. And we, here we've defined three different groups of protocol parameters, depending on whether they relate to network, um, network parameters, uh, monetary parameters, or governance parameters. Um, then we have, sorry, I'm pulling that from the back of my head. Uh, we have a third action, which is what we call a motion of no confidence. And this one is a very special one, uh, which is indicating that there is no more confidence from the community in the constitutional committee. And this action instantly removes the current constitution, constitutional committee, puts the system in a kind of locked uh, locked state until a new constitutional committee is elected um, by the DREPs and so on. Uh, so that's three. We have the Hafok initiation, um, which is today actually happening through a protocol parameter date. Right. There is a special protocol, which is the or a special parameter, which is the protocol version. Uh, and when that gets updated, this is what ultimately triggers a hard fork on chain on the next epoch. Uh, now we are pulling that out of the protocol parameters and that making it a special governance action. Uh, then we have the withholds from the Cardinal Treasury. Uh, so every epoch there are some amounts put in the treasury that is gathered from you know, transaction fees and, and so on. Um, and there is currently a special kind of operation on transactions uh, that only the funding entities can uh, perform. And that is moving money from um, that treasury to reward accounts. Now this becomes a uh, separate governance action. So that's five. Uh, we have... Uh, yes, the update to the constitution as well. So the constitution is recorded as an off-chain document. Um, and what we put on-chain here uh, would be a hash of that document. So it's kind of a, fing a fingerprint of this document to make sure that you know, if the document changes, um, the hash will, won't match. So you can sort of have a way of controlling that the off-chain document did not change compared to what was agreed on-chain. And there is an action, a governance action to change that, should we add new things to the constitution. And finally, there is a uh, last action that we added recently, which is the poll action or info action. And this one has actually no effect on the protocol at all, but it's just a way to get everyone's vote on some topic and record the decision on chain so that then we can, you know, 
decide on, on another action or another sequence of action to take from that pool. And, and that's about it. Wow, thank you very much. Let me do a callback to see if I captured everything. The first one is the election of the Constitutional Committee, is that correct? Right. So the second one is the protocol parameter changes, followed by the motion of no confidence. This one is especially for, is it unique to no confidence of the Constitutional Committee, or does it also apply to others like DREPs and SPOs? What do you mean by that? The no confidence motion, um, is it only to eliminate constitutional committee members or does this also apply to certain DREPs that maybe the community lost faith in? No, it's only only for the constitutional committee. So it, it's really mm -hmm. a way to, okay. to declare that the, the current constitutional committee should be removed. And that's actually the only action where the constitutional committee does not vote, obviously. Otherwise they could like prevent that from mm -hmm. happening. Mm. Right. The fourth one is the hard fork initia initiation, followed by treasury input and mo moving money from treasury. Um, does this involve where the treasury money uh, is going in terms of catalyst, like the amount that is going to be in catalyst and the frequency of catalyst funding rounds? Well, moving forward, um, well, with CAB 1694, Catalyst would re would be required to make one of those withdrawal governance action in order to fund all the different catalyst uh, proposal, right? So for for now, every uh, every fund in Catalyst they are uh, asking for a certain amount. Like, I cannot know, you know one million ADA uh, that will be distributed in different categories. Here they would have to request this one million ADA as a governance action, and people would have to vote on that. Uh, then, you know, whether they do it as one treasury withdrawals or uh, as many withdrawals, one for you know, every payout, uh, then that's you know, up to the catalyst source to, to organize. But yes, that, that wouldn't, catalyst doesn't, doesn't have any privileged position, you would say, in this, this landscape. They would have to apply to comply by the same rules as everyone else. Mm -hmm. Thanks. And the final two are updates to the Constitution. And finally, poll slash info action. So a few questions. The first one, election of the constitutional committee. So this means we have not made any decision or nobody has made any decisions on how many members are in the constitutional committee and who these members are going to be. Is that correct? At this stage, yes. Indeed. So how are we going to, what's the process and when is it going to happen, uh, the actual election of the Constitutional Committee and how is the voting going to look like or is it too early to say? Um, well, we thought about that a bit and one um, scenario that we like is to start the system um, in a, sorry, in a state of no confidence. So if you, if we start the system after transitioning in, in that way, that means we have no constitutional committee, and it has to be elected by DREPs, which means you would have to register DREPs, you have to get people to delegate to those DREPs, and then submit a, a new constitutional committee proposal with 
uh, a set of um, public keys that is identifying different parties, uh, and a quorum size, which is how many of those uh, you know um, people from that committee uh, need to vote in order for the committee to be considered in consensus. Um, and that could happen like on the very first day almost, because that's probably something people are going to be excited about. Um, and it also should not last for too long, right? Because when the system is in a state of no confidence, that means no other governance action can take place. And that means if there is a need to update the protocol parameters or to do a half fork because, you know, I don't know, there is a critical bug that needs to be fixed. If we're in a state of no confidence, we cannot do that. So that's really like a critical state that needs to be resolved promptly. So yes, one of the first scenarios is to say, when we transition to this uh, new governance um, approach, we start in the confidence, we get the committee elected. The other scenario is to say, no, we start with the current funding entities as the constitutional committee, so that the system is in a, is in a kind of safe spot. And then people can decide to pass a motion of no confidence to put the system in a state of no confidence if they dislike this initial committee. Mm -hmm. So does it mean that the DREPs or the election of DREPs should precede the vote and election of the uh, of the committee? Because DREPs are voting on this. Does it mean we have to first have the DREPs ready? Adam, do you want to say something? I see you got you. Andres? Oh, no, you go ahead and answer that first. I was okay. going to ask you some questions, so go ahead. So for the DREPs, yes, you're right. That means we need to get the DREPs registered and um, have people delegated to some of the DREPs beforehand. And that's why if you know you look at near the end of the proposal, there is a section about implementation plan. And the plan is to implement this that proposal in two steps, in two half forks. One first half fork would introduce all the different new governance capabilities that will allow people to, you know, uh, register as DREP, to delegate their stake to DREPs and so on, but none of the actual governance action and, and, and votes will be sort of activated yet, right? So that would be a first phase where people can register, can start, you know, setting things up. And then there will be a second half fork where we actually you know, pull the trigger and then now the, the, the system switch from the current funding entities to, uh, what's being proposed. So DREPs, SPO, and, and Constitutional mm -hmm. Committee. Mm -hmm. um, Adam, do you mind if I ask one more follow-up question before I hand the mic to you? And another thing, could we uh, start opening the floor for questions and comments from this point onwards? Yeah, yes, absolutely. I've been messaging with Adam Dean, and he, unfortunately, his device is having some problems, but he's going to message me if he has any um, cutting remarks to send uh, our way. Sounds great. Thanks. Um, so question, Matthias, a follow-up about the treasury part. When you said Catalyst needs to request the funding, who is making this request? Is that the Catalyst team, or is there a specific person, or...? Well, you should ask uh, the Catalyst team, probably, to answer that. Um, as you've said in introduction, anyone can submit a governance action on-chain. So anyone could really be saying, you know, I request a treasury withdrawal in the name of Catalyst. Uh, whether or not they are going to get in a vote because they have the legitimacy to do so, that's another question. Um, so 
yeah, I would probably imagine that there is some representative of the Catalyst uh, team that will speak for the, the entire Catalyst project and, you know, make an official governance action and advertise that governance action to all the different uh, bodies that needs to vote. So the DREPs and the Constitutional Committee. Okay, so they don't really have like a special title when they are making this action. Uh, it's just an ordinary community member that can be their identity when they request the fund? Yes, exactly. And one thing we've um, added to every single action is a possibility to attach off-chain metadata to an action. Uh, there is no predefined schemas, at least not in the CAP 1694, which means that it's, it's open as of today for how we're going to, to structure that. Uh, we thought about that a bit between different uh, community actors because we love thinking about schemas and standardization. And one way you could imagine is to say when you post a governance action, um, depending on the governance action, you have to provide also some specific fields as an off-chain metadata. Some of those fields could be, for instance, a bit. Um, they could be uh, a proof of uh, identity from like social media and so on. They could be a more extended justification of your proposal. Um, there could be signatures from different entities that support the proposal as well, so that it's not just a you know a transaction which is sort of lost in the, uh, the mass of all the network transactions, but it's actually a special transaction that has data attached to it that then the DREFs and all the other uh, voting entities can, can see, can look at, and, and decide what to do next. Mm -hmm. Thanks. I think the did uh, or identifier is so important in this case, because if anyone can submit an action and they don't have a special title, then we can't really identify who's submitting what. Um, so having the did uh, to be able to distinguish between um, this, their identity is quite crucial. Right, over to you, Adam, and then the floor is open for people. Uh, if you want to ask questions at comments, feel free to request speakers and raise your hands. Adam. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, so one one question is, I suppose, and Adam Dean kind of poked me on this one. A lot of the programs that we have right now are controlled by the founding entities of Cardano. Like Project Catalyst is, uh, you know, con basically controlled by IOG, where we, out of necessity, it's run by IOG staff, and they do the they initiate the treasury uh, withdrawals, distributions, and and that sort, even though it's you know voted on by the community. Um, how long do you think that we'll be having you know funding programs that are still run by the founding entities of Cardano and do we want to start decentralizing those programs or is there a way or do you think that it'll quickly be that community programs will rise up? So I have a rule to never give dates on Twitter ever. Um, so I can't really answer your question on, on, on that. Uh, but the only thing I can really say is, yes, at this point, you only really have this kind of uh, platforms that are, that are controlled by the funding entities because they are the only one able to you know, perform a treasury withdrawal. So it makes no sense for someone else to try to do that because they would hit at some point the problem of how do we, how do they get money out of the treasury. Um, moving to something like 1694, now you give that power to anyone on the network, provided they can get any votes, right? Um, which means it should be 
in my opinion, pretty fast before we see the first uh, you know, competing alternative to Catalyst, if I can say. And from what I've seen already on the network, there are many different projects that are you know, structured around the concept of DAO, right? They are launchpad and they have different ways of voting internally. Uh, and the funds they are locating, they come from different sources, but now they could potentially, you know, claim those funds from the Cardano Treasury, um, provided that they can, you know, justify for, for the legitimacy. So I don't want to, to put any project in particular, but you could imagine a project that, that is defining um, you know, that has its own process separate from Catalyst with also some kind of voting, some kind of uh, proposal, some kind of reviews process, etc. And then um, actually submit governance action to get the money from the treasury to pay for the different proposals that, that they have. And if the, project, the process is working and the process is, has, you know, gather interest from a large part of the community, there is no reason why that would not happen. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. Let's go with TCT and then we'll go to AI scholars. Yeah, I think, um, I just want to say, I think this is sort of a great topic to really think about. Um, and, and as much as I appreciate and want to share your optimism, I worry because like, if you've ever been a part of a large scale vote or a larger DAO, um, something that is very decentralized, uh, people, it's hard. It's hard to get people to vote. Um, you know, we go as far as monetarily incentivizing people to vote in Catalyst. Um, and so I, I do worry when I see all the pushback about, um, you know, having these founding entities sort of bootstrap the governance, um, you know, until we're able to do things like elect reps and get proper, uh, like, signaling um, and polling methods and frameworks down. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I wanna, I wanna be optimistic and say that, yeah, hopefully we see that quickly, but I do worry quite a bit, uh, just because, uh, from my experience, it seems really difficult to get people engaged in voting and not only voting, but like we said, you know, in the beginning, uh, educated, right? Everyone, the same information so they can all be voting on the you know, same thing, uh, and understanding it, uh, in similar ways. I don't know if, you know, you've ever thought about that or, like, what people sort of think are good solutions for that. Because um, I don't know, I don't think it's sustainable to always incentivize that uh, monetarily. Um, yes, we thought of that, obviously. And we've made different propositions, actually. Some more popular than others, uh, if I can say. Um, generally speaking... I agree with you when you say it's probably not feasible to incentivize everyone with a you know actual uh, payment for voting and so on, because then the immediate question that comes after that is you know where the money come from. Uh, are people okay with you know cutting a percentage of their staking rewards to put it in the consensus? Right? Maybe not. Uh, I would disagree with that because you know the monetary policy of Cardano was decided. Uh, a long time back, and it was kind of agreed that there will be an incentive for consensus rewards uh, that will last, you know, X number of years, and that's why the parameters have been set up the way they have. They have. Um, so we've proposed different things, um, and I think we're trying to be very, very careful in how we enable uh, that proposal, 
uh, with different steps and different transition phase and bootstrapping phase and so on. Um, and I see also different people disagreeing, saying that you know, this proposal gives the power to the funding entities and, and is very bad because it does not actually uh, is properly decentralized and, and so on. But at the same time, you know, my, my, my answer to that is almost always, but what power do people currently have really? So how is that worse than the current situation? We're working from a point A, which is the current status quo, where only three funding entities can effectively uh, ratify governance action, to you know different a series of steps where we increasingly give more and more of that power to the rest of the network, which sounds like a you know rather safe approach. Uh, and if we see at any of those points that something is really going wrong, then we al always have time to think about, you know, how to do the next steps. Uh, then you have a whole other bunch of people that are being a bit completely reckless and say, no, from you know, the next day you should enable everything and just see what happens. Right? And if, if by the next day the network is in the complete chaos, uh, then, you know, so be it. Um, and I'm not sure I agree with that. Um, I, I love this kind of sort of discussions, but at, at the same time, it's usually people that are just arriving in the network that are proposing this kind of thing. People that have been building here for many years that have invested, uh, some of them, you know, a lot of money, a lot of their time. Uh, you don't necessarily want to see everything vanish in, you know, two days because we've decided to go completely reckless on the governance. Um, so for the sake of, I would say respecting the time invested, the efforts invested, and also the money invested for some uh, on this this project. I think we should be quite careful in the way we enable governance moving forward. Um, and yes, seek to transition from the current status quo, which is not ideal, to a situation which is at least slightly better. Uh, it might not be the, still the ideal governance that we envision for you know the final governance state of Cardano, but if it's at least better than what we have now it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, <clears throat> no, I think that's great. And like I said, I think it's something that it's going to take a lot of thought and sort of like um, the, the proper framework that allows progression, right, iteration. And, uh, and yeah, the only other thing I would say is uh, I, I wonder if you said like what would happen if we just sort of uh, let it all go, right, like turned it on from day one. And yeah, I wonder if it would be complete chaos or if it would just be crickets. Uh, I think it could go either way. Yeah. And and to be frank, there is a part of me who, who would love to see that happening. I just, by curiosity, see you know, what would happen. I I tend to be quite optimistic in that. And I tend to believe that people would be self-organizing and that we will have some kind of decent governance framework uh, resulting after that. Uh, but yeah, as you say, it might as well go the complete other direction and then we have only two different parties that get interested and in, are uh, making the all the decisions for everyone else because no one got really interested in, in participating so it's very really hard to say and perhaps AI scholar go ahead no, oh, no sorry. sorry no sorry I just wanted to add a tiny thing um, a way we've formulated that in the proposal um, to kind of address this particular concern is to, to have a double threshold activation, right? We want to say we 
when we first enable this proposal, we start in the bootstrapping phase. And the end of the bootstrapping phase is conditioned by two things, or one of two things. Either we reach a high enough uh, participation in terms of stake, and then the bootstrapping phase is ended and you know, we, we have reached the goal, or uh, enough time have passed um, and we just enable also the entire thing no matter what. Right? So you could say you need 40% of the stake to participate or six months, uh, and if one either of the two conditions is met, then it's enabled. So in that sense, we, we, we kind of cover both uh, both things because if we get high participation fast, then the bootstrapping phase ends fast. And if we don't, then we have a known delay to organize and think about how we can approach the next steps. Sounds great. AI Scholar. Hey, good afternoon. Thank you everyone for putting this panel together because I think this is probably the, one of the most interesting uh, topics being discussed in all of crypto right now, right? Um, and I think there's so many strong opinions here. Um, it's going to be very, very difficult to even come to a consensus about how to get to a consensus. And that's that's partly funny and that's partly a fact. But I, I'm just curious about a couple of things. Uh, right off the bat, I, I just want to say that I think for a minimum viable governance model, you know, if we're saying that it's not going to be perfect, then at least we're putting it out there, right? That obviously this is a work in progress and it's going to take time to get to where we need to get to. But I do have a couple of questions for, I guess, some people who might be uh, spearheading this effort. One is, how difficult would it be to implement quadratic voting? Um, the reason why I bring this up is because, you know, we live in a representative democracy, Okay. And history has shown many short failings that that can have um, with people kind of acting out of self-interest. And I understand that we're in the process of handing this over to the community and we're trying to find a way of counterbalancing, you know, the exodus, the Binance, the KuCoin, these giant exchanges that hold a massive amount of Cardano that will be able to vote with those funds. So I understand the function of the reps, um, but why can't we, or is it on maybe, you know, on the uh, roadmap to get quadratic voting where we might not necessarily need the reps period. And my other question is, can you actually put a proposal as a participant? Because if we have quadratic voting and the rep and the, functionality of T-Reps becomes redundant. Can we put in a proposal to basically axe that functionality altogether? The reason why I bring this up is because, you know, as I said in my Twitter post, I don't necessarily believe that these systems are with faults. It's the human element behind it that's usually at fault, right? Where we make decisions purely based off self-interest. And unfortunately, I've had a lot of experiences in DAOs where the community would vote out of self-interest and end up destroying that ecosystem and that economy in the pursuit of basically gaining as much out of it as they can and finding an exit liquidity path. And I, I just wonder, like, are we game theorying this out enough to actually figure out what are potential exploits? Like I noticed right off the bat that someone, you know, pointed out, uh, thanks to contemplation, there's a term limit for, you know, the constitutional term limit. Obviously someone thought about that and then this was added. So, how difficult would it be, and my question is, to break an established governance model and 
insert a new one if there's already a power structure in place. So you've asked many three questions, I believe. Um, so the first one you said, you asked, um, how hard it is to implement quality voting? Uh, the short answer is very hard because to implement quadratic voting, you need some kind of identity. Um, so then you immediately have another question, which is, do you want to have identity on chain? And what kind of identity should it be, right? Um, I think everyone's going to agree that they don't want to put their passport on chain or anything like that, which means that you want to have some kind of identity that does not actually reveal anything more than you know your identity. Um, which will necessarily involve some kind of zero-knowledge technology uh, in here. And Cardano so far is very not into zero-knowledge. Uh, there are some research axes here and there uh, exploring you know, zero-knowledge-based solution for different topics. Might it be you know, uh, scalability and so on, but also identity. And you need identity to have a proper quality voting solution. Otherwise, it just cannot work because it's not CB-resistant. And I've seen some uh, projects in the Cardano community saying, we do, we do quadratic voting, but they don't have actually any civil resistance in place, which is arguably completely worse because they are very much, you know, it can be attacked from that perspective. And that's definitely not something you want to implement at the scale of the network. Uh, so it's the quality voting, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's just that it raises new questions and in terms of development efforts, that's more something you can imagine years from now. Um, and I do think we need some form of governance way before that, because our ecosystem needs a governance, uh, more decentralized governance right now. Um, another thing you said was that quality voting make DREDs redundant. Um, I disagree uh, here in the sense that the role of DREPs is not only to cope with this uh, voting aspect, but it's also to fulfill a job, really, and a job that not everyone is going to uh, want to do. Uh, the DREPs, they would have to analyze the proposal, they would have to you know, gather information, to uh, contact different bodies, to gather expertise and so on, to make them a decision. This is quite a lot of work. and we can't realistically ask every single person of the network to do that. Otherwise, that's, I mean, 100% guaranteed that the participation would be terribly low, especially if people have no particular incentives in doing that. So the role of the DREP here is to really take that as a, uh, take that workload and make it part of their job to do that. So it's, it's, it's like, that there is quadratic voting or not does not change the fact that you need people that will have to invest time and effort in in, in this governance process. Um, and the DREPs are a good, um, I would say, um, well, solution for that. Uh, and then you had a third question that I forgot. It was about how difficult would it be to do X again, but I forgot what X is. Oh, sure. Uh the third question was basically how difficult would it be to break an established power structure and insert a new one, assuming 
the community does want a new governance model. But before you answer that, I do have a quick uh, follow-up, if it's all right. You said quadratic voting needs a digital identity solution, but so does the current one. I would even say that quadratic voting is the opposite. You don't need a, a digital identity solution because you're already balancing the vote. If someone wants to uh, gain more power, that's another wallet they have to open, another seed phrase, another... Uh, I, I I actually feel like I can represent this answer very well. So the identity system that we need for the current one is just: Do you have a wallet? So the the blockchain doesn't care if you're a person. The blockchain the blockchain only cares if you have an address. Now, quadratic voting takes the square root of your vote. So if a person has, you know, so it basically evens it out. The where it makes the person who ha- as you go up, you know, in value you become, uh, it becomes less and less of a dramatic effect. But here's the thing. Let's say that I have, um, you know, 100,000 ADA uh, to, that I collected at 10, you know, 10 cents per ADA because I've been collecting it back in the day. That's something that a, and the average person could have collected if they had worked really hard back in like 2018. Uh, but if somebody, but that's not something that would be easy for that person necessarily without technical skills to open up a whole bunch of wallets. Like you're saying, you're saying that the barrier is opening more wallets, but if you have a million ADA, it's really easy for you to get a developer or get someone else to just make a whole bunch of uh, random wallets uh, based on automation to then distribute your ADA to those. And now you're actually giving the person who has a million ADA a much easier way to game the system than people in the middle. So you're partially correct, but the reason why I would say you're not is look at Ergo. And I know you guys are going to laugh, but look at Banana, right? They have a law of diminishing returns built into the system, the auto Lyco systems for like preventing hash power from being gobbled up by people who would have, you know, nine, 10 different graphics cards in succession with each other. This model exists. And look, I don't, I, I kind of don't want to gravitate too much on quadratic voting because it seems like, uh, there's a somewhat already consensus that it's just too early for that, even though, you know, I, I hope in the future we can get to that system. The second one that I want to kind of address is Kay Tors mentioned how, you know, DREPS is a job that someone wouldn't necessarily want to do because they're going to have to act as a liaison between various parties to bring information together to write a SIP. Okay, I'll give you an example of exactly how that plays out with our government. Our representatives do not have enough time to sit there and write legislator. Okay, they just don't. Their assistants, their interns, they all come together and the workload is distributed so that he actually gets a final draft, which is sometimes written by other vested parties that have nothing to do with the constituents, but it's purely for their gain. Right. He'll sit there, he'll read it and he'll give a stamp of approval, not necessarily being as engaged as KTORs accept, uh, you know, articulate. Like for, for all the things that we're discussing, there are real life examples of very real sh- shortcomings that don't play out the way that they should ideally, you know? So I'm, I know this is a minimum governance vi- uh, model, so I'd, I'm confident that there'll be more iterations coming on down the line, but that's where my third question comes in, which is, yes, if, we do decide as a community that this is just not working. How difficult would it be to break that power structure? Um, I think we are putting quite 
many things in place now that you can you can reach the state of no confidence if you know the network really feels like it. Um, especially with this new you know DRED we've proposed, where you can just delegate to a no confidence state, and if there is enough the you know people delegating to that, then just sit them and turn the state of no confidence. So you don't even need actually a motion of no confidence to be voted and passed as a one-time thing to reach state of no confidence. Um, so I would argue it's pretty easy, uh, provided that there is a majority of the network uh, that wants it. Uh, but it should be pretty easy to reach a state of no confidence and overthrow the existing government with something else. Um, and similarly, if there is a majority of the network that feels like voting a completely new hard fork that will hard fork that system into a different you know, system, then that will happen. Um, but we have also to keep in mind that this is a software, which means, and that's what I was trying, the point I was trying to stress earlier, um, that it's what software we decide to run on the network that will run in the end. And the people that make that decisions today are the SPOs. So if you can convince the majority of SPOs to run a completely different software, might it be Cardano Proof of Work tomorrow, then Cardano becomes Proof of Work tomorrow. Right? There is no secret. And it doesn't matter what governance system you have on top of that. Um, that decision will you know, be the decision of the SPOs because they are the ones running the physical infrastructure. Um, so we have different ways really to step out of that uh, governance system if we don't like it. Uh, I would say the, the most gentle way is by simply voting through the DREPs a hard fork that you know we have agreed as a community is is what we want. Uh, but the other way is really you know a bit more like enforced is to enter a state of no confidence and get things uh, adopted. Or even stronger is to go to the SPOs of hard switch, right? Hard switched switch, and have them install a completely different software. Um, so, yeah, I'm not too afraid about that. Um, we have ways of changing things. And if we really have to, you know, come to those different stages, then we will. All right, let's um, go with Valvowski, and then we'll move on to talk about um, some of the summon tools and how they can work into this. Thanks. Hey, I just um, appreciate the conversation. Um, it's it's been a bit wonky and kind of in the weeds the past few minutes, which is fine, but um, I just wanted to maybe zoom out and ask some uh, pretty basic questions, really. Um, and they're just quick fire questions. It doesn't have to be in-depth responses. I'm just curious, who actually wrote SIP 1694? Who are the authors? And um, and then also, you know, kind of, you know, why why the rush for the SVE, why the rush timeline? Uh, so the author are at the top of the file um, and the proposal, if you need to go back looking at them, uh, it's mainly five people. Um, Jared, who is the Ledger team lead, uh, myself. Um, there is Sam Lither, who is um, how do you call his role? System administrator lead at IO. Uh, there is Kevin Hammond that people have, I think, uh, seen multiple times in 360, who is kind of overseeing engineering at IO. And Charles that have, well, not written things per se, but actually provided many different ideas and inputs to be put on paper. 
Um, so yes, I would say nowadays it's mainly Jared and myself doing edits and adjusting the documents. Uh, but we, you know, we have a very close communication between all the different authors plus all the other people that have been involved in the CIP really. Uh, might it be the people that were present at the uh, Logmon workshop last month or uh, other people that we have consulted uh, as part of that, uh, right? Because we are, there is a limit, it's like a recipe list of author doesn't doesn't mean that there are only those five people that have actually put thoughts in, that, in this proposal. Uh, there are also game theorists, researchers, there are also mathematicians, computer scientists, engineers, and other, you know, bodies um, involved in this discussion. Thank you. And when, when did you all when did you all start? And then also, why the why the rush? Why is this being expedited? Why why did, why can't we just slow down? Can you explain? Help me understand. Is there a, a hard fork that's upcoming that you want to have this in place for? What you know? Why can't we just stop and pause for a while? So, I don't see why people see it's it's being you know rushed, given that the proposal has been out for almost six months now. Um, so we started writing that back in, I don't know, was it August or something like that? And I think the first draft of the proposal, if I recall correctly, came out in September. Um, um, let me just double check the date. Uh, but yeah, it's I been, know that it's been October, around for quite a while. Like November, we were talking about it in the community. Uh, yes, you're right. So that was November 18th, so not, not September. November 18 was the first uh, publication as a CIP. Um, I mean, as a pull request on the CIP repository. And I think the debate has gotten sort of accelerated uh, after this um, Colorado workshop, because I don't know, people sort of got um, triggered by that somehow. And a whole bunch of new conversation happened, but it, it was pretty, you know, not silent, but it was pretty, uh, not so active uh, up until before the workshop. That there was a lot of comments initially when the proposal first came out, then a period of silence, and then the workshop widening this debate. Now, I said earlier that we need a governance system at, you know, in the community uh, quite urgently, and I still think that this is the case. And the reason why I'm saying this is because when you look at the crypto landscape today with all the regulations that are going on and you know all the different uh, moving parts, um, you know, the more we leave things in the sort of in the ends of a restricted number of entities, uh, the worse it looks, right? Um, there is, you know, get the funds from Catalyst. Uh, the last one I think was not, uh, didn't happen as planned. And we can see that we are moving in a state where decentralized governance sort of becomes a requirement to really pretend being a decentralized ecosystem and a decentralized cryptocurrency. Um, so we can't really let that happen. Uh, we can't wait for three years before we introduce a governance system and let the ecosystem, you know, just do nothing in the meantime. Um, plus, if you think in terms of roadmap and in terms of where Cardano is within that roadmap, um, we're kind of late, right? I think it's a kind of a running gag uh, in the crypto crypto space, but yeah, Cardano delivers, but it delivers taking its own time. And Voltaire should have probably been delivered a while back. 
Um, so now we are at it. Um, there is ways okay. to, you know, get started, do a first step into into Voltaire. So I would say let's you know try to make that first step and then see see where it goes. Okay, thank you. I understand. It's it's no no. There's an idealistic rush, but it's no no like operational or any other kind of need to push through. Like say next month. Thank you. Um, yeah. I, the last the last one is just to kind of uh, just to give a sense understanding now that you are are one of the um, the authors. Kind of is there an example of maybe a section that you and Jared maybe just were at loggerheads and disagreed on um, and, and how you guys like split the difference there or, or if there's like an area where you feel like, Oh my gosh, we just couldn't figure it out. And we just painted a bunch of game theory on it to kind of, you know, just to cover it for now, but we want the community to, to help out here. Are there any places that, that people could kind of look at for those instances? Yes. Uh, and near the end of the document, actually, we've left a bunch of open questions, which are really the thing we've, we are considering as potential ideas, but we didn't find any way to insert them in the proposal uh, in a way that makes sense or, or that like, we needed to some more thoughts on, on the different aspects, uh, you know, that they that implies i'm trying just to find back where we put that but it was yes so it's in the implementation plan so in the very last section of the cip there is one subsection called other ideas slash open questions and i think we have like seven or eight of them in there which are points we considered and that we hope people can uh discuss during workshops and give feedback on that because we could not really decide uh, there is also a dimension of, of feasibility in terms of, of the engineering efforts that those things entails. Um, right? If the plan is to get this CIP implemented within the next few months, uh, the more things you put in it, the you know, further you put the release, uh, the potential release. So there are some ideas that we think are good, are interested, interesting to have, but then there is a question of whether we want that in the MVG or that we want to have that later. And then there are also other questions where I think we need an actual governance system to decide, like you know incentives, generally speaking, and DREPS incentive in particular. Uh, that's an important topic. That's a topic where you can see there is a lot of disagreements between people. And I don't think we should be, we should be making any decision here. Um, I mean, right now, we should be making a decision through a governance framework and, well, possibly uh, CAP 1694. Um, so yeah, some of those questions have been purposely postponed up until we have a governance system, or maybe we have, you know, a way to prove consensus across the community regarding those different questions. All right. Uh, thank you very much. And, uh, Dumpling, do you want to transition us to the next half of the space? Yeah, I would love to. Uh, thank you, Matthias, and thank you, everyone, for the great questions. How does Summon help in terms of governance? Can Adam give us some insights? Absolutely, and I'm really glad that even though we're having some 
problems with the space here. Um, TCT was able to make it up here to join us. So he's also going to be a great person to answer some of these questions. Uh, so uh, what we're trying to do with the Summit platform is build a community tooling platform. Um, it started off with the concept of, you know, letting people have DAOs to organize um, themselves. And what we, you know, and as we've grown, we realized having our full tool set be focused around communities was the way we need to do things. But one of the magical things is that as we sort of grew in this way of doing communities um, and we started looking at what CIP 1694 was offering, we realized that why can't the communities be their own DREPs? Uh, because with CIP 1694, it says that, you know, it's going to be, there will be a wallet address and that address will be able to cast votes as a DREP. Well, if you can allow a script address to cast a vote, then a script address can be the actual quote unquote DREP instead of just a single person. And what's awesome about this is that instead of having to pick like one person to be your DREP or have a single point of failure with that person um, decides to leave Cardano, or they miss a vote, or they um, don't vote the way you want to, um, or they don't know enough about the issue to make a decision, you can instead have a group of people who are controlling the vote together. So um, one way could be through a multi-sig. If you form a multi-signature um, address, you know, then you can have everybody delegate there you can have a panel of experts perhaps who say we're going to form a five or seven multi-sig there's seven people here we each have our own our domain of expertise and when a vote comes up we're going to discuss it the people who have the time to do the research into the area that matches their experience will bring that information to the table and then among us seven we will decide on how we're going to vote and if you agree that our panel is in line with your beliefs you can delegate to our panel and this panel will be your DREP. Or you could have a DAO, and you could say, hey, as a DAO, there's a group of 100 people who are all pooling your vote together. And you can then say, like, okay, well, let's um, let's have a vote then for how the DAO will co uh, cast its vote. And that will be the way that it will be determined. So it's almost like, you know, a, a pri in the world we have right now, we might call that like a primary, and then the general election, the DAO has its primary, and then it goes on to cast its vote in, for the actual proposal. But people can then move to whatever uh, group is uh, matching up with their own you know, belief system and their philosophies. So that's the, that's the broad strokes. We can get more into how that works. But I see Ketor says his hands up. So I'll, I'll turn it over to Matias. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to stress what you... You mentioned at the, at the beginning, right? This this ability for uh, DREPs to be actual scripts uh, and to be you know, to encapsulate quite complex logic. Um, I think it was Pi uh, recently uh, proposing this idea of you could capture every single vote actually as a DREP script, right? You would say this script will vote yes on you know the future proposal. Um, and then you could have people delegating to that particular script, um, which would be a kind of way to do direct democracy through scripts, right? You could imagine for every governance action, you would create three different scripts, one for no, four different scripts, one for yes, one for no, one for abstain, uh, one for like, confidence, and then you let people delegate to those different scripts every time. Or you can imagine more complicated stuff or 
or not necessarily more complicated, but yeah, things like you're describing, Adam, like having a DAO structure on top of that and using leveraging the scripts to capture the outcome of a uh, decision as a smart contract. So that's the very powerful stuff. Uh, it wasn't there at the beginning, but I think, yes, there are so many use cases that are opened by that. That makes it a almost a necessary feature. I mean, I could, I could add something. I would just add that, uh, yes, right? I think that is sort of what I hope to see is people, you know, it's just so easy, easier said than done. Um, but, yeah, that's what I hope to see is people really uh, experimenting and sort of getting, uh, you know, the hang of governance in their own community. Um, and then we see larger sort of entities forming, right? Whether it is smart contract based, uh, you know, or you're using like a multi-sig to cast votes and come to consensus or better yet, even something like a polling system. I think that's why uh, the signature voting is so important, right? It's such a efficient, cost-effective and easy way to poll a community and a larger group of people. so, yeah, I think once people do start getting the hang of these tools, modifying them, iterating on them, uh, that's what I hope to see. It's like in the future, we see these entities, right? Um, and they could be uh, anything, anything from a Twitter space group like Cardano over coffee uh, to larger organizations and projects, um, you know, utilizing these tools to do just that. So, yeah, that's what I hope, hope we get. And that's, that's what I hope we, uh, you know, see these tools being used for. That's one of the shifts in mindset that I really want to see coming, you know, to the governance um, conversation. Because I, I, um, I feel like too much in our current world, we think about like who is the person who is going to go out and do this, who is the person who is going to uh, make things right, and we have too much of a focus on it's going to be a single individual who's going to do this representing. And I feel like we're a lot stronger when we think about what is, you know, what can we do as a community, right? And as a community, how are we going to make a difference? And sort of realizing, you know, like if I'm a member of a community, maybe I'm not able to um, do everything myself. Maybe I'm not able to always research all of the issues, but I do have, if 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 a topic comes up that I do know about, I can contribute to that conversation. I can let my community members know about it. And when other people in my community who have developed a reputation for, you know, having studied this and for having been being good, giving good advice in the past, talk about things, I can trust them because they've shown me through all the times that we've had in the past that they know what they're talking about. And then I can agree to, you know, vote with them. And so that's, you know, that's where um, you can find your place within the community to then bring that to uh, the wider governance system. Alex, do you have something to add? Uh, I love what Adam said, and I'm so optimistic. You know, if there's if there's a community in in Web three that's going to do this in the most efficient way possible, I think it's this community because people do have a very vested and passionate interest about governance in our ecosystem. I will say this: 
Um, I think perception is very, very important. And I think we as a community really need to move very cautiously because I, I can give you one example, right? With contingent staking, even though it will not be mandatory and you will have the option to be contingent or not, you can see the backlash that you get with respect to perception. Now, Adam Rouse just pointed out how these communities can have their voices heard. I'm going to say it again. In present-day society, there are certain communities who have the perception that their voice is not heard. Even if it's not necessarily true, even if their voice is heard, the perception behind that is still equally as relevant as the actual action itself. So I would just urge caution that um, we, we, pre we tread very lightly because I think one of the worst things that can happen is if people feel like their voice is not heard and give up on the system entirely. And that, that would be a break, big heartbreak for me because I feel like this community is probably the most active, uh, most critical, and most supportive community that you can find in all of Web3 right now. Yeah, I, I think you've said a lot there. Um, and I, I, I think I really agree with that, that anytime people feel like, you know, they aren't being valued within a system, they're going to walk away. And it's, there's a stark difference between like, you know, your local government and your, um, and your blockchain that you use to coordinate with people on. Because, you know, a lot of times if, you know, you're living someplace, maybe you're stuck there. You know, you, your, your friends and family are there. Uh, maybe you own a house there. Or maybe you've just been living there for a while. And you feel like, you know, I could leave this place, but I don't want to. And the government sucks. And the people who represent me don't really represent me. So I'm just not going to not be engaged at all. Um, so, you, But, you know, you don't feel like, you know, you want to leave because you have too many other things that you care about in that physical space. But with the blockchain, people, if people don't like Cardano, they will leave. They'll go to Polygon. They'll go to Aptos, maybe. I don't know. They're the new kid on the block, right? They'll go someplace else. And so how are we going to make sure that as stakeholders of Cardano, we make sure people feel like they want to be here? That's, that's the question. Matthias, do you have anything to add? Not really, to be honest. I was answering a few questions. Um, so, no. <laughs> Great. So uh, if Adam and TCT have anything more to add before we end the space, I'll hand the mic over to you. Then we can wrap up. Nothing for me. I think that was sort of a great ending thought. Uh, so, yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I'll just say that, you know, uh, these tools of community governance that we're doing with Summit Platform, um, we are live on Testnet right now. We are very close to bringing our tools to mainnet. Um, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised as to um, uh, what you'll see there. So if, if you would, you know, click click the Summon platform banner here on the top left of your screen um, and check us out. Um, we'd love for you to look at our test net, give us some feedback, let us know if you think that these tools are valuable. It all starts with communities. You come to Summon platform, you make your community, and then once you've made a community, 
that community can have multi-signature wallets where you and your community members can pool funds and decide who is going to be the signature holders of that wallet that work together to decide where those funds go when they're distributed. Uh, then you can also have polling. Uh, we have a fee-free polling system where you can make a, you can have a, ask some questions of the people in your community and then they don't have to pay anything uh, to do it because they vote off chain, but they vote with their signature. So when they vote with their signature, it, we just get the hash of that. We collect them all together and we give you a record that you can verify to say, I understand, you know, all these people have voted for this. I know what the outcome is. I know that it's secure because they couldn't have voted unless they um, provided their, their keys. Um, you know, you're, it's just, you know, they've made a, they've used their keys to encrypt the vote. So we, we know that our community members have made these results and they are, they are secure and accurate. Um, and then we also have uh, coming out our Agora DAO module. So you can have an actual DAO uh, where people coordinate. So come check it out and we hope that you'll like it and give us feedback on what you think. And thank you so much for coming to our space. Thank you. And thanks, Matthias, especially for spending the time with us, uh, sharing your knowledge. Shout out to Adam Dean. You didn't manage to be added as a speaker, but we know you are here with us spiritually. And thank you, Summon, for making this space happen. Definitely benefited me, at least. Uh, it is a very complex topic. I always get very nervous thinking and talking about governance. I feel pretty stupid. It's so loaded. It's an esoteric in a way. Uh, it's something that everyone thinks they can say something about and criticize and offer insights and instructions. So a lot of times I just feel we're talking past each other. So that's why spaces like this, where we establish a basic understanding of the topics uh, is essential. What distinguishes Cardano from other ecosystems, to me at least, one of the key factors is our passion for governance. The level of enthusiasm and also the level of vitriol anger is really unparalleled. And I do think that's going to be one of the driving forces and retention factor for the Cardano ecosystem. I agree with what people are saying in this space today. Tread cautiously, keep the conversations going, and try to hear from different perspectives. And finally, if you weren't added as a speaker due to the ruggy space today, we do apologize. I'm sure there will be more Twitter spaces in the future on the topic of Cardano governance. Uh, do make sure to join these spaces and please share the space recording later with your friends and people who care about governance. A lot of definitions and concepts here. So it will benefit us moving forward when we want to host debates. Finally, try out the Summon Testnet. Check it out, play with it, experience governance for yourself. Uh, it is a step further from just discussing about it and imagining how it looks like. That's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning into today's space, and we'll see you in the next Summon Space. Take care and uh, don't lose your seat race.